0: Welcome to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. At Centerpoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love He demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and to share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. This week's message comes from 2 Samuel chapter 7. I'll begin with a question: Have you ever planned something in your life, and then the reality of that thing didn't go as planned? Anybody? You probably yes. Every day, your life probably. For me, this was my honeymoon. It was it was great, mostly. But I was a senior in college and engaged, and I started planning my honeymoon. My wife and I were so excited, right? We were planning, we were going to Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. We were planning time on the beach, slow mornings to go parasailing. I love adrenaline. I still do. So parasailing was on my list Uh, to get a massage. We were planning all of these things. It was going to be great. Then my wife and I arrived in Cabo, and our bags were nowhere to be found for several days, And then two days into our trip, our passports were stolen. And so the remaining days of our honeymoon were filled filing police reports in Mexico and convincing, and by convincing, I mean bribing the airport employees uh, to get on the plane home without passports. We made it back and I don't recommend bribing anybody, but if it means getting home, maybe. All of that to say, Those are great memories, but the plans of my honeymoon, right, were nothing like the reality of it. And I'm sure you have had some similar experience about a plan you've made and then it not going to what you thought it would be like. And that's the story of David's life so far, the story of David's road to kingship. Because if we go all the way back in our series, Pursuing God's Heart, that's the series we're in, and we go all the way back to when David was anointed king, he never planned to be king. But then he was anointed in a secret ceremony. And I don't know, if you were anointed to be king, you'd probably begin to think about or plan what that might be like. You begin to picture all the things you might want to do, and I'm assuming David did something similar. But as we've seen in our series, it's been a long, tough road for David. He's been pursued by King Saul. He's been on the brink of death. Last week we saw how he lost a really close friend in Jonathan, and he's not even king yet. David's plan of being king probably has gone nothing like he thought that it would. And this is what we're gonna explore this morning. We're going to explore pursuing God's heart when our plans in, for our life or in our life are different than what we thought they would be. So how do we pursue God's heart when our plans for our life are different than we thought that they would be? So, in order to do this, we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 7. So, if you have your Bibles, you can open up there. If not, it will be on the screen. And I'm going to read for us just the first three verses. Verse 1 Now, when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet See now, I dwell in a house of cedar. But the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. We'll stop there. Let's just set the scene for for a brief moment. A lot has happened since 2 Samuel chapter 1, which is where we were last week. David's actually king now. Now, there was a lot of fighting and war and death in order to get to that point in the last few chapters, but David is king. And not just that, he has transformed Jerusalem into a new capital city. So the throne is now in Jerusalem. And the Ark of the Covenant, which is where God's presence dwells, is also now in Jerusalem. In chapter six, we see David dancing before the ark in joy that God's presence is in Jerusalem with his people. And so now both throne and ark are in Jerusalem and they give power and legitimacy to David's kingship. Second Samuel chapter five, verse 10 actually says this, and David became greater and greater for the Lord, the God of hosts was with him. So God was with David and David became powerful. That's where chapter 7 fits in. David is king, David has risen to power, things are going well, and then verse 1 tells us Now when the king, when David lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies. That line, the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies, for the first time in years David is getting a break. There's a respite from war, from his enemies. Things are going well. And it's probably a little how David pictured all those years ago what being king might be like, how he planned for it to be. And David finally has space to breathe and to think and to plan about what the future might be like, what the future might hold. And, and we do this too, or at least I do, when we finally have space in our calendar, which maybe for you is not as often as you would like, we have an opportunity to think about the possibilities of future. Now, we too often maybe spend that scrolling through our phones or binging something on Netflix, but that's a different sermon, so that's not right now, which they may, that might have their place too. But when our present circumstances give us time and space, we plan and hope for the future. Even if that's just the next hour or the next day, we make a plan. And this is what David does. He has rest. He has a break. He makes a plan. And In verse 2, we we find out what that plan is. He says, I have a house to live in, but God doesn't. God lives in a tent. I want to build him a house. I want to build him a temple to live in. And as far as we can tell, David's plan here is pure. His motives are pure. He genuinely wants to honor God and build him a temple to live in, to bring him glory and honor. And Nathan the prophet shows up in verse 3 and says, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. This is great news. A prophet confirms David's plan David is excited to do it, and he's ready to begin to, to, begin the work God has put on his heart. Have you ever had a plan that you were really excited about? Maybe it was a plan for a job, for a job you wanted growing up, or maybe it's a plan for the job that you're in now as a teacher or coach or CPA or pastor or whatever your role or job is. Maybe you have a plan for, yes, making money, but how you want to honor God and bless people through that job. Any parent kind of have a plan for their kids? Yes. Does it go? How does that go every day? Or maybe, maybe you have a plan as a parent to be an intentional mother or father, or maybe it's a grandparent, right? You want your kid to flourish. You want her to be humble. You want her to be kind and compassionate, And successful you want to be a loving and patient and wise parent those are all good plans you know for me I have a plan this year and that's for the Dallas Cowboys to win the Super Bowl um don't laugh I'm really excited about it and it's early I know it's unrealistic but there's hope for every team except the Vikings or the Packers because I don't like them (laughs) you can leave if you're upset But that's my plan. We've all had plans that we are excited about. And this is where David is at in our story. He has a plan that he wants to bless and honor God with a temple. Maybe you have a plan for your life where you really do want to honor and bless God. But let's return to our story and and see what happens next. Next. Verse 4, it says, but that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. So that same night, David just got excited about a plan. Nathan said, go do it. God is with you. And then God shows up to the prophet Nathan and says, basically, he says, you know what? No, not so fast. God tells Nathan to tell David that he is not to build a temple for him. God objects to David's plan. Even though David had all of the pure motives, wanting to honor God, build him a temple, we think that is a good idea, a good plan, a good desire. But God objects to it. God says, no. Why? Why does God say no to this? One commentator, Walter Brueggemann, writes this, Yahweh will not be bought off. Controlled or domesticated by such luxury. Yahweh has been a free God and will continue to be. The royal apparatus is not able to make Yahweh its patron. In summary, what's being said here is God will not be manipulated by human plans, even if they're well-intentioned. God will not be manipulated by human plans, even if they're well-intentioned intentioned. And so the question that arises in this text right now is this. Will David hear Nathan's prophetic voice any differently from how Saul heard Samuel's voice? Remember, Samuel, the prophet, told King Saul, you're not going to be king anymore, and Saul refused to listen to it. Will David refuse to hear the word God's words as Saul did, or will David submit to God's will for his life? What about you? When your plan is different from God's will, how will you respond? Or maybe how have you responded in the past when your plan is different from God's? Will you respond like Saul and refuse God's word? Will you follow your will or God's will? And and let's just go, can we just go a bit further on this for just a second, just a brief pause. I want you to think about a plan that you have for a moment. I want you to picture it in your mind. Picture a plan, picture a desire, picture a longing. Maybe it's for your week this week. Maybe it's for the next one to two or three years. Maybe it's a plan in your job. Just picture any kind of plan or want or desire that you have. Do you have it, Do you have it in your mind? Do you think that's God's plan? Is that what God wants? Or is that your plan or my plan? cloaked in Christian language, trying to manipulate God. And, and maybe that sounds kind of harsh. We're like, manipulate God. I, I, that's probably not your intention, right? You, you have good intentions. I believe that about you. As Center Point Church, as followers of Jesus, I really believe most of us have good intentions. We want to honor God. We want to be faithful to him. And so maybe that sounds harsh, but David had good intentions too. And God's will was different. And if we're truly honest with ourselves, many of our human plans and desires are more about fulfilling whatever picture of the future um, we have and what we think it should look like. If we're honest with ourselves, so much of our plans and desires is to fulfill whatever dream or desire or longing of the future we think it should be like, rather than honor God. Our plans are often much more selfish than we care to realize. And maybe for you that's not true. So I don't want to assume, but I know for me it is true. So I'll I'll just throw there, sometimes my plans and desires, if I really sit with them, are a little more selfish, than I originally thought. And we don't yet know David's response because God continues to tell Nathan what to say to David in verses 8 to 17. And and I actually want to read all of those verses for us. I know it's going to be a little bit long, but they're just that good that I think it's important to read God's word and do that. So you can, you can follow along on the screen or you can just listen, but we're gonna read a few verses here. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you As I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And in accordance with all these words, and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Did you notice a word that was said more than all the others? The word I is said 13 times in 10 verses. So, what God is saying, He's saying I over and over and over again. Listen, I took you from the pasture. I have been with you wherever you went. I will make for you a great name. I will appoint a place for my people. I appointed judges. I will give you rest from your enemies. I will raise up your offspring. I will establish your kingdom. I will establish the throne. I will be to him a father. I will discipline. I took it from Saul. I put Saul away from you." Do you get the picture? God is making abundantly clear that David's rise to power is all God's doing. The result of David's kingship, the fact that Jerusalem is now the capital, the reason for the Ark of the Covenant being in Jerusalem is all because of God's power and relentless graciousness. And the same is true for the temple David wants to build. The temple, it will not be built because a human wants to build it. It will be built because God wants to build it using the human agency he chooses. And what this scripture tells us is that it will eventually be David's son, not David. And in these words that we just read, God's grace and beauty is on full display because God is not just simply telling David no, he doesn't just say no, end of story, or kids, you know this one, no, because I said so. Don't you just, oh, it's the worst, right? Kids, you ask why do your grandparents or your parents, say, because I, God doesn't do that. He's not doing that here. God isn't just saying no, but he's saying, look, David, I was faithful in the past. You remember when I took you from the pastures when you were shepherding sheep? You remember that moment I took you? Do you remember the moment that I appointed judges? Do you remember the moment that I defeated your enemies? I've been faithful with you in the past. And guess what, David? I promise I will be faithful in the future. And what God promises here, He says, I will be with you and your family forever. Do you see what's happening here? God is replacing David's plan with His promise. God is replacing David's plan with God's promise. Because David planned to build a house, but God promised to build David a house. It's in verse 11. And this word house can also be translated dynasty. So David's plan was for his individual rule, but God's promise was to build a dynasty for all who came after David. David. David's plan was for God's presence to be with him, but God's promise was for God's presence to be with him and his sons and his daughters and everyone who comes after him. God promised his steady, constant, and forever love to be with David's family line forever. Wow. David's plan was small. Compared to the abundance of God's promise. To steal some language from the Apostle Paul, God has done for David far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Or maybe we can change it to this God has done for us far more abundantly than all that we can ask or plan or picture. Church, I promise that God's promise is better than your plan. God's promise is better than your plan. And, And maybe you're sitting here and you're asking, well, what's the difference between my plan and God's promise? Thanks for asking. Let me tell you. God's promise is about who he is. Your plan is about what you do. God's promise is about His character, about who He is, and your plan all too often is about what you do. Our plans are about our actions. They are dependent on us. For instance, at Dort, I often have students in my office and they ask some variation of this question, what is God's plan for my life? Maybe you've asked that as well. At some point in your life, I'm sure you have. What is God's plan for my life? And this is a well-intentioned question, but I actually think that it's misguided. Because when we ask this question, we're, we're presupposing that God's plan is kind of this step-by-step process, kind of like a, a script to follow. Which if you've been following along, the series is the opposite of what we've been talking about. Right, we, we often ask is, what college should I go to? What job should I take? Should I move to this city or that city? Who should I marry? Should we have kids? So what should I have for lunch today? So on and so forth. And, and here's one of the issues with this is, is sometimes we get into the thinking that if we choose the right path, we will be blessed and in line with God's will. But if we choose the wrong one, well, then we miss God's will for our life and there's no going back. And then, I don't know, then we just don't decide or make a decision for a really long time because we're so afraid of missing God's plan or will for our life, and then we're just paralyzed in fear that we might miss it. And this type of thinking is so common in our churches and in our Christian circles, but it's the opposite of God's promise in this chapter. Can I tell you, God's promise is so big, you can't miss it. He won't let you miss it because that's the kind of father that he is. God's promise is about who he is rather than what you do. And God promises his steady, constant, faithful, and forever love to David and his family after him. And through Jesus, that includes you and me. Because Jesus is the fulfillment of this promise. Because if you go to the beginning of Matthew, we find out that Jesus is in the family line of David. And guess what? Jesus is now on the throne forever. This promise is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. So this promise of God's presence and his love is for you and for me as well. You know, If I could summarize the whole Bible in one sentence or one phrase, it it would be this, I will be your God and you will be my people. It's, It's repeated throughout the Old and New Testament. I will be your God and you will be my people. There's not much human action in that statement at all. There's a lot of God's grace. There's a lot of God's promise. And there's a lot of God's unending pursuit. And we see this displayed when God pursues Adam and Eve after they sinned, right? Because he goes looking for them. The question is, he says, where are you? They run away from him and God runs after them. We see this displayed as God pursues Abraham despite his lies and not trusting God was going to give him a son. God still gave him a son, God pursues Moses despite murdering someone and having speech problems. God pursues David despite his small stature and sexual sin, which we're going to get into next week. God pursues Peter despite his denial. And not only does God pursue Peter, but God gives Peter the keys to the kingdom and says, hey, this church, it's it's built on me, but you're going to lead this charge. God pursues you and me despite our sin, despite our fear, despite our insecurity. Because his promise is dependent on him and his character, not on us and our actions. And that's good news. That's the gospel. Because we humans, we kind of mess stuff up. We're kind of known for that. Watch the news tonight. Scroll through social media. We do a lot of good too. We rally around each other, but we mess things up as well. But God, he's perfect and loving and kind and gracious and patient and constant and steady and forgiving and compassionate and gentle, and God is all things good. And I don't know about you, but man, I will lay down my plan for that promise. I want to lay down my plan for that promise. So here's the question. Will you lay down your plan that's dependent on you and receive God's promise that's dependent on Him? Will you do it? And, and I hope you will, because God wants to do far more abundantly than you could ever ask, think, imagine, plan, or picture in your life. Jesus in John chapter 10 says, I have come to give life, life to the full, life abundantly. That's what Jesus wants to do in you, give you abundant, full life. Now, that doesn't mean it's without pain or suffering or difficulty. It's actually the opposite. Because usually resurrection and transformation comes on the other end of some kind of death, which we don't like all the time. Jesus kind of gave us that pattern, though, death than glory. So will you? Which kind of leads us to the the last question. If, If we're willing, if we want to lay down our plan and receive God's promise, how do we do it? How do we lay down our plans and receive God's promise? Let's look at how David responds in the last part of our text this morning. So the prophet Nathan goes and tells David all of these things and listen to David's first response. Verse 18, then King David went in and sat before the Lord. Then King David went in. He went in to the tent where the Ark of the Covenant was. He went in to God's presence and sat That word can also be translated dwelled. David's first response was to run and sit in God's presence. When his plan got shot down. What's your first response? When your plan is different from God's promise. Do you go find people who agree with your plan? Kind of rally together and just keep on pushing through? Do you run and just escape maybe through Netflix or social media so you just don't have to think about it because it's just maybe too difficult? Do you get angry and frustrated and just cling even tighter to your plan because you're just not ready to let it go? To lay down our plan, we must first sit in God's presence. So David sat in God's presence and then the very next two words that are this, David sat before the Lord and said. David sat in God's presence and then David prayed in God's presence. In verses 18 to 27 are a beautiful prayer. David gives God credit for everything in his life. And I'll just read a couple of the verses from this prayer. I'm going to start in verse 22. Here's David praying. He says, "Therefore you are great, And you established for yourself your people Israel to be your people forever. And you, O Lord, became their God. What David does in the bulk of this prayer is remember God's faithfulness to Israel in the past. So David takes a seat in God's presence, David prays in God's presence. In this prayer, he remembers God's faithfulness. And by remembering God's faithfulness in the past, this moves David to trust. David trusts in God's promise. He sat in God's presence, he prayed in God's presence, and then he trusted in God's promise. Look at verse 28. And now, O Lord God, you are God and your words are true. And you have promised this good thing to your servant. When I read this and I hear David being moved to trust saying, God, your words are true, my first question as a skeptic sometimes is, well, how do you know? How do you know God's words are true, David? How do I know God's words are true when my plan is different than his promise in my life? How can we be sure? Because I really want to cling to my plan, so I need to know, how do I know that God's words and God's promise is true, that his presence and his love is with me and with you. Well, the answer is in David's prayer. Like David, we remember God's faithfulness. When you're in the gap between your plan and God's promise, and you're not sure if you wanna lay down your plan and you're just holding on to it really tight, remember God's faithfulness in your life. When you're afraid of what the future may hold and you're just not sure, remember God's faithfulness in your life. When you're questioning whether God loves you or maybe you're just stuck in kind of a pit of shame and you're not sure what to do and you're questioning his love for you. In his pursuit of you, remember God's faithfulness in your life and how he has pursued you day after day after day. In church, here's the really great thing. We have a leg up on david with our past because david could look back to israel being set free from captivity in egypt he could look back to that but we get to look back on jesus we get to look back on complete freedom from sin and bondage and death itself because of christ's resurrection because of his death We look back on Jesus. We look back on God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. We look back on Jesus who humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We look back on Jesus who took on our sins on his shoulders and destroyed the works of the devil, scripture tells us. We look back on the resurrection from the dead. We look back on Jesus giving us his Holy Spirit. Jesus gave us his spirit which is God's presence in us, his constant, steady, and forever love. God is in you, our helper and defender and advocate. And I'm sure each of you in your own individual lives can look back on your own life and story and see where God was faithful in different moments and different seasons, even if some of them were really hard. So church, how do we pursue God's heart when our plan is different than God's promise? We remember God's faithfulness in our life. And I, I wanna briefly, maybe there's some in the room this morning that don't know Jesus, they, that you haven't put your faith in Jesus. And so there's, there's nothing to look back on. I'd love to talk with you after this. One of our pastors on staff or, or find somebody and just start asking them about Jesus, they'll tell you. That puts pressure on y'all now. Or, or maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're just in a lot of pain and you're a little bit angry with God. Maybe something's happened in your life that you're just not quite sure you understand yet. You've been hurt by Christians. You've been hurt by the church. God um, just hasn't, life hasn't gone as you planned. And you're angry and you're not sure you're ready to look back on God's faithfulness because you're not sure if he's ever really been faithful. Can I just tell you, I'm sorry. Whatever it is, your pain is valid. Your hurt and frustration and confusion and doubt is valid and it's all welcome here. So my action for you this morning, if that's where you find yourself, is let God have it, tell him. Go back and listen to Pastor Chris's sermon last week about lament. He talked about a biblical lament and how we cry out to God and let him know the things that we're feeling and the frustrations that we have. And my hope is that will move you to trust because God wants to hear it. He wants to know you and hear your hurt and your pain and your questions. So church, remember God's faithfulness in your life. It's how we pursue God's heart when our plan is different from God's promise. God, we thank you for who you are and for your word and for your promise. We thank you for your son, Jesus, that we look back on. And Lord, I I pray that today that you would move us to lay down and relinquish our plan and open our hands and receive your promise. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship this Sunday at 930.